Welcome to Growth Island, your go-to podcast on how to be the best version of yourself. Now, let's join your host, Mess Freeze, as he interviews high performers and experts in nutrition, meditation, exercise, relationships, business, general health, and life's bigger mysteries. Welcome to today's episode of Growth Island. This is an episode that I've really been looking forward to. I got one of the hottest names in the longevity field right now. He is out with his new book, The Science and Technology of Growing Young. He is uh, the founder of a longevity fund, the Longevity Vision Fund, which has over a million dollars under management to invest in companies that's going to change our lives and make us live long, healthy, and happy life. I think the last part is really important. Uh, which is one of the things that I enjoy about uh, this guy as well, that he talks about the good life, not just long life. And just to put some context to this, like this isn't just any book. Uh, this book is recommended by Peter Diamantis. If you don't know who Peter Diamantis is, then that's definitely one of the people that you want to follow, who's one of the biggest in the world when it comes to business technology. It's recommended by Ray Kurzweil. It's recommended by my big hero that uh, I often talk about, Tony Robbins, who shaped uh, where I am my life today. Um, it's recommended by Dave Asprey, kind of the father of biohacking that we often talk about. And it's also recommended by Dr. David Sinclair, which is also probably one of the hottest names when it comes to longevity, uh, a researcher out of Harvard. So I could continue to go on with the, more of the credentials, but I think this could be more than enough, and I just really want to get into it. So Sergio Young, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you, Matt, and thanks to everyone. I'm so excited to be here with you today. So, so. How did you get into this journey of uh, longevity? Look, our interest to longevity and health always start with a shock. So it's unfortunate reality, like 80 or 90% of the people that I know started to think about their own health or longevity after significant deterioration of either their own health or the health of the people uh, who are close to them. On their love. And well, again, that's the unfortunate reality. And I had two wake up calls. One is my, the lung cancer case for my father back in 2005. He survived, but the quality of his life has never recovered. So it was very difficult period for me and, and my family. And the second, back in 2014, uh, I've discovered I have extremely high cholesterol level later on, uh, I realized this, uh, it's just, uh, I've been genetically predisposed to have that, but doctors told me to take statins, pills every day for the rest of my life. And I thought, oh my goodness, my, my life, I can see like the end of my life because then why would I need to, to take pills every day to survive for another, what, 40 years? At this time, I, I thought my, I'm going to be living another four decades and not right now. And uh, well, this is where I started to dig into this topic and I've done a lot of changes and, um, some of you know that the best thing you can do today before all this exciting technologies that I explained in the book will be available to us in the next 10, 20 years from now, within the near horizon of longevity innovation, there's so many things that you can do in terms of changing your lifestyle and your relationship with doctors routines like physical activity, et cetera. So I've changed it and I started to share it with a lot of people. And 
it was so exciting. I feel really positive and I felt happy that, um, I can change people's lives and then their health. And this is where this whole journey started. Fantastic. So, Sergio, there's so many things to discuss when it comes to longevity. And you write about in your book as well, like the ethical concerns about living long. What does longevity actually mean as well? But I only got you for a short while. So uh, I will put aside all the critics that are going to be like, doesn't make sense to live that long. Uh, I think there's many reasons and people can dig into your book to learn about it. Dave Sinclair as well goes into the ethical discussions. What are some of the things that we can do today to actually live long, healthy lives? So we, we need to realize that we're living in, in very unique moments of time. So we just 10, 20 years away from um, scientific discoveries and breakthroughs in technology will help us to live significantly longer, even to break this sound barrier of the maximum lifespan on earth, which is 122 years. But like to reach this point in healthy and happy state, you need to stay in longevity bridge. You need to do a lot of things, which might sound simple or boring, or my mom told me that, um, which will help you to, to stay in this healthy and happy state. So what are the things when people ask me, I, I always talk about five things in longevity bucket. If you look at the book, there's like a bonus chapter there, which, which explains 10 longevity choices that you can do today. But if we will distill it to five longevity buckets, they are one, do your annual checkup because early diagnostic of cancer, heart disease, diabetes, and neurogenerative diseases. And this four killer monster disease, they are responsible for 90% of deaths after the age of 50 in this world. So that's very important. We live in a day when if you do like really early diagnostic of, well, let's say cancer, your recovery chances and your chances to survive will increase from 20, 30% of the late stage can cancer to 90 to hundred percent with early stage cancer diagnostics. So that's one. Second, don't make stupid choices or what I call passive longevity, like Tobacco smoking is just minus 10 years from your life statistically. And, and I thought it, I, I was even like, at some point of time, I was even like thinking to take this whole discussion about tobacco smoking from the book until I realized I was just yesterday, literally, I was looking at statistics in EU and the share of adult women who are smoking in EU countries is anywhere between 15 and 30%. Imagine there's like countries like, like France. And I think UK is there as well, where almost one third of females are smoking. Well, I haven't had an opportunity to look at the data for males. So tobacco smoking, using your seat belts, it's plus two years to your life. Yeah, just be like, or riding, uh, driving car, but not a motorcycle is also great because mortality rates for motorcycle accidents is 17, one, seven times higher than for car accidents. So, and I can go on and on about more responsible risk averse behavior. So just don't do that. I mean, we need you here on this planet. Third is a diet and. The best way to, to extend your lifespan is actually decreasing your calorie 
It's actually very easy to say, but it's very difficult to implement. You need to have a, like a really strong discipline. So, and any decrease of the calories should be at least 15 to 25%. So eating less is, is actually extend the healthy and happy portion of your life. What I do, I am heavily vegetables focused. I'm not vegetarian. You don't need to be religious about this whole thing, but like, um, disproportionately increased the, the volume of vegetables that you consume is, is it makes you really healthy. And uh, the second piece that I do in this field is fasting. So I'm, I'm fasting for 36 hours every week from Monday evening to Wednesday morning. So this is two nights and one day, 36 hours. This is really healthy. So this also helps you to decrease the caloric intake. And I run on like 100% vegetables on Monday and Wednesday, like pre-fast and post-fast. And, and take it out sugar from your uh, diet, like sugar drinks, everything which has sugar, sugar added processed food as well, which is very dangerous for our food. So the, this kind of things. Number four is physical activity. And, and I do believe that two thirds of your physical activity agenda is just walking 10,000 steps a day. So you can use whatever wearable you, you want to use, like Oura Ring, Whoop, Apple Watch. Some people like Garmin, Fitbit. And measure 10,000 steps a day. Well, this is where you need to walk. And that's a substantial part of what you need to do in terms of the physical activity. And number five is um, what I call peace of mind. It's, it's about the importance of mental health. This is sleep. Um, this is meditation and mindfulness to decrease the cortisol level in your blood. And the third one is just sense of purpose. Knowing your mission in life, sharing the best of your self with the world giving more than you take from the people around is also very important i think that's a that's some fantastic advice what i some of the cutting edge stuff because you have a unique image or insight into seeing like what's happening yeah. in the world of research venture capital and so on what are some yeah. of the things that we might not have seen now, but you think will change, um, change our life in the next couple of years? Yeah. So I, I just want to break your question into two pieces. One, like what are the things that we can do to even today, which is catching age. We, we probably don't realize it's catching age and, uh, but it, it, it's just really helpful to build a foundation, like a platform for our health. So that's one. And the second piece, like what are the most exciting you know, things that we're investing in through Longevity Vision Fund, which will be available to us in the next 10, 15, 20 years. So first question. <clears throat> so if you think about today, is, is the, this whole power of early diagnostic is developing itself, is unfolding. Like even today, we have access to a number of like a DIY diagnostic products, which you can do at home. Like some of the cancers can be tested today at home and it's sorry for this details are the fecal test or blood test and then they're really helpful they say inbox products that you can use to detect cancer or any other disease at home or like i just took out continuous glucose monitor because i i thought i had a risk of 
early stage diabetes. It, it was not the case, but it was such an interesting opportunity to track within like in the course of two weeks to track what is the impact of different kind of foods or drinks that I'm taking on, on the glucose level, uh, level in my blood. So that's kind of amazing. So go heavy on early diagnostic, like, and then, uh, so part of early diagnostic of doing MRI. So I'm doing MRI, full body MRI every year in uh, human longevity center in, in San Diego, in California. And in the last few years, it was actually artificial intelligence algorithm, which tracks your scan and shows to the doctor, to human radiologists, like what are the most risky parts of that? Even so AI algorithm can detect early stage cancer, which is undetectable by human eye. So we just, we tend to think it's the same, like kind of x-ray stuff, which just called MRI. It's not, it's a heavily, uh, and technologically advanced thing, which completely, which will completely change our you know, chances to live longer and support our chance to live longer, healthy and happy life. So that's one. Second piece is power of wearables. And we discussed already continuous glucose monitor sensor. I just took out CO patch. This is the things that you put here on your chest and it for seven days and nights, it just measure the work of your heart. It's continuous electrocardiogram, very detailed. And then what you do is just take this out and you ship it to the company and and uh, it, it's actually really helpful in terms of preventing any spikes in terms of your heart disease risks. And I do believe variables are becoming our personalized healthcare devices. So we tend to think about Apple Watch as something which will show us notification from WhatsApp or our convenient way to switch on, switch off the music. But apparently Apple, Google. Amazon, any other wearable companies, they're building like a personalized healthcare and health data platform for all of us on the basis of wearables. So in, in few years from now, any wearable will be able to measure 90, 95% of data that we need to have an ongoing basis, which tracks our health and, and we'll create personalized, predictive and very preventive version of technological medicine. So that's, that's going to be my two advice to like go heavy on diagnostic. Diagnostic has changed completely in the last five, 10 years. And then second, just, you know, again, pick up your wearables and, um, and stick to it, collect the data. It's okay. If, if this is on Google or Apple service, I don't mind and, um, enjoy and watching the transition from just convenient watch to personalized healthcare devices. That's one part of your question, Matt. The second part of your question is like, well, okay, Sergey, this is great. We're going to stay on longevity bridge. We're going to be healthy and happy for another five, 10, 15 years. We promise so like what's next. And, uh, and this is actually the major part of the book. I mean, I don't know if you will agree with me, but it's. Uh, probably 60% of the book about technologies and the, and the different patient stories, uh, around these technologies, which will, will be available to us very soon. 
So when people ask me, like, what are the most exciting ones? I always pick up three. One is gene editing and gene therapy. We made a long way in terms of finally democratizing access to gene therapy and, and gene editing. Like 30 years ago, it was, I, I think it took 13 years in the U.S. and $3 billion to sequence human genome. Right now, just a few hours and $200. Right now, we all participating in a global experiment in gene therapy because mRNA vaccines like Moderna is the outcome of gene therapy in a way. And so this is it's beautiful. And we already know all 3,000 longevity genes in our body, which will be, which we can really influence and make us, help us to, in our body and mind to live longer, healthy and happier life. So that's one. Second piece is longevity in the bill. In five, 10 years from now, we're going to have like a new class of drugs and it's going it's to be called longevity or anti-aging drugs. Because right now drugs, they target particular disease. Mm. So they're very narrow. And uh, longevity drug will target the aging processes in your body. And we already have few candidates for that. Some of them exist today in the world like metformin or rapamycin. Don't run and, and don't rush to your doctor and ask for a prescription for that. I'm much more conservative guy. We still need to run the human trials to see what are the longevity implications of taking these drugs. While metformin as a diabetes drug has been here for the last 50, 60 years, I think, on this planet. So when I first heard about that in this yeah. class book, I was definitely like, I need to try that. I looked a bit more into it. Someone like Ben Greenfield wrote an article yeah. about the dark side of metformin. I interviewed another guy on longevity who was like, well, the verdict is still out. We're doing a lot of tests the next 18 months. We'll know a lot more, but there's definitely like something around metformin. I can't pronounce what you just said as well. Ribo. Ropamycin. Yeah. Yeah. Ropamycin. Those two are extremely promising in regards to living, not just long life, but actually healthy life, which is yeah. so fascinating. Yeah. I agree. I mean, you look healthy and relatively young. So like I'm 49. I would wait until I will turn 60 and I would need to take this pills. And I'm pretty sure in the next 10 years, our level of knowledge, but safety and any impact of this drug will be on in completely different levels. So that's, I think is important because you don't want to run experiment with your own body and mind. And this is the most precious vessel in this life. But I'm, it can easily be the drug developed with the help of artificial intelligence because we, we invested in two companies, three LVF. We invested in 16 companies in total. Two of them are developing different algorithms to compress, to combine first two or three years of drug development into actually two or three months. So this is amazing. And drug development is a very expensive thing. Like in US, it takes 12 years and $2.6 billion to develop the drug because of the huge failure rate. So you'll have like 5,000 candidates and only one of them will be available at, at a drugstore in uh, 12, 15 years later on. So that's how this industry works. And the third one is organ regeneration. Like an old car where when we can replace all the different spare parts or even engine, the similar thing will happen with our body. So, and this, uh, currently we see a number of different technologies and technological avenues 
in development, which will help us to replace our organs. And it's, I'm talking about 3D printed organs. It's still early stage, or I'm talking about technology that when we use animals to regrow or to help people who are now on the waiting list for donor livers, hearts, any other organs. Like, um, as far as I recall, last time I checked, it was 117,000 people in the U.S. only waiting for donor organs. That's a huge problem. Or we can, we just invested in a company called Light Genesis. They based in Pittsburgh. And what they do, they split donor organ in 50 or 70 pretty small ones. And so that's the opportunity to help with one organ with one donor organ to help 50, 70 people. They put it with very simple laparoscopic operation to our lymph node. And then like a new liver, they started with liver. It's been developed, created, it just regrows in your body, which helps your current unfunctioning liver to function. This is so beautiful. And Peter Diamantis and Lisa saw an article about that. We now had the first heart, artificial heart, uh, yeah. being uh, offered into a human. Yeah, exactly. Actually, quite funny thing. I mean, it's great that you brought it up. A heart and, and brain are two most difficult organs to kind of reproduce and recreate and regrow. But like for liver, we, when we invested, they've done trials with dogs. Mice, primates, pigs. Right now, the, in the end of this year, they start human trials. They're already actually enrolling the patients for this trial and got FDA approval early on. So that's exciting. So one of the mean that in regards to the alcohol of not drinking too much alcohol, if we can get new them. Yeah. So it's quite a, it's alcohol and coffee are a pretty confusing kind of topic. And and this is the question I receive the most. So technically. Mother nature and our body uh, likes the balance, right? So if you look at like in, in a study on the impact on coffee, on your longevity, it's this, this like the optimum point is one or two espressos a day, but this curve is, is so flat that it's literally like, I don't think, you know, it's from statistical point of view, it's, uh, it's meaningful. So what I know from my personal experience is. I, I do like three, four espresso day, but it's, they all decaf because I'm really responsive to like caffeine. And uh, I do believe there's number of people like half of the population and they really responsive to caffeine, which actually impacts in negative way, the quality of your sleep. So this is the most dangerous part. So if you had your one or two espresso around 10 AM in the morning, this is great. But obviously if you yeah, took them like around 10 or 11 p.m. right before going to sleep, that's a problem. So it impacts the quality of your sleep and the quality of your sleep impacts a lot of different things, including the hormonal balance in, in your body. So that's on that. On alcohol, well, alcohol, like ethanol, uh, is a poison in a way. So, and like every poison, if you take really you know, small you know, concentration of that in a small dose, it's kind of okay. It's actually you know, makes your life a little bit more funny. But 
there's no reason why we should drink alcohol apart from addictive features of that. So my rule is one or two glasses of wine every week. Uh, it's either Friday night or Saturday night. I love red wine, but I'm 49, so I couldn't really afford drinking this every day because what it does, it impacts the metabolic balance in your body. And it's not that kind of healthy. And after like one or two glasses, your liver is not going to be helping you to process this amount of alcohol. It's going to be an excess. And uh, it actually starts a lot of dangerous processes in your body. So if you have very balanced view on the role of alcohol in your life, and you can just drink like one or two evenings um, a week, this is great. I would not do more than that. No. Okay. So there are many other interesting treatments or therapies and so on. I find hyperbaric oxygen chambers extremely fascinating. We've studied the case yeah. where you could extend the, or was it not senescent cells, to decrease the senescent cells, but increase the length of telomeres, which is one of the signs of aging. Yeah. Stem cells is another thing that you also write about in the book that I know very little about. Uh, I just heard like, this is the future. One of my friends got in his knee and is like another friend wanted to travel somewhere else because he has a lot of problems. Like what's the status of stem cells? Yeah. So actually they had this amazing trial. I think it's done in Israel and where for 90 days, people spend a time in uh, hyperbaric. Sorry. What's the... Yeah. Yeah. But like. Just to be uh, precise here, I think they spend at least like an hour every day there. So that's just a lot of time. Yeah, not sure it was an hour and a half. It's probably more. Like when I do this, I spend like 40 minutes. And this is the equipment that they use for Austrian to train them. So like, so it's like an hour every day. And I think it was in the course of 90 days. So it's just a lot of exposure to oxygen, which is very difficult to recreate. In fact, I think they, what they, who they took for the study in Israel was people in a relatively old age. I think they were like, That's yeah, over 90. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So more than 60, uh, years old. So like, I do hope when I'm going to turn 60, I'll have more time to spend there. So, but obviously this is very promising and the impact that we, uh, that we've seen from this study, it's just reconfirmed some people's obsession, including mine, with with spending time in the oxygen chamber. It's actually a lot of fun. So, and you take out, you know, all the gadgets. It's almost like meditative experience because oxygen is very risky in terms of it. it, it, it fire can explosion can happen every time. So you just it's hundred percent cotton. You change everything, you take out everything from your body and your gadgets. So it's just good meditative experience as well. So coming back to your, yeah, I'm not sure. I've never asked this question, but I like it for me, I, I have such a busy life. So yeah. Yeah, I, I do appreciate this 40 minutes in the oxygen chamber. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, you should be able to. Reading, growing young while getting <laughs> But yeah, while well, actually growing young. Yeah. So and that's one. Second, your question on stem cells. So stem cells, I have no doubt stem cells therapies are one of the mo most powerful therapies in the future. So that's like super promising. This is very important. 
The problem is that we don't know yet the all the side effects of this. So, and for for the reason, for the good reason, it's still prohibited with very few exceptions, with very few indications. The use of stem cells is is not really supported by FDA in US. So people need to travel to places like Costa Rica, like Panama, Bahamas, to take stem cells injection. And I really don't like that because the like the quality of advice you're going to get there and the profile of the risk and reward of the treatments that you will have there is still not kind of approved by regulators, by FDA. I mean, if you really have very difficult health condition and you look at all the alternative treatments and it was not really successful and it's really damaging the quality of your life and even put at risk the quality of your, the quantity of your life, then, I mean, you should probably try, obviously consult with your doctors before that. But for rest of us, yeah, well, let's just stick on, on longevity bridge for the next 10 years and we're going to know whether it's really considerogenic, some, how some people imply, or this is pretty safe and then we all can enjoy the benefit of it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It seems there's a lot of technologies and so on where we're like, we're right at the So like experimenting now, like if you're young enough, just like follow the next couple of years. Oh yeah. And then it'll have a massive impact. Exactly. Exactly. Well, that's this reality. I'm not sure about my generation. Again, I'm 49, but like the generation of the people who are today, they're 20 or even 30s, they were going to, they're going to have completely different access to healthcare and it's going to be completely different version of healthcare, much more personalized, data-driven, technology-based, and they will have an opportunity to reach longevity escape velocity, like the moment of time where for like every year or 10 years you live on Earth, it's just enough discoveries and technological breakthroughs to give you another 10 years of your life. So that's the, well, it's a framework, like every framework, it's, it's simplification of reality, but this is where we're going. And but the way we go there is, is integration between men and machines. So we're looking at much more bionic version of humans in 25, 50 years from now. Oh, and we're going to see enormous level of integration between like computer power, artificial intelligence, or even recreate ourselves in form of robotic or even virtual avatars. Hmm. It's, a, it's an interesting world and a lot of interesting ethical dilemmas as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But much of that can also be found in your book. Something else, Arjun, now that I have you on, uh, which is not related to your book, but you've been extremely successful. Um, you were one of the people that are at the forefront of longevity and you are without the pe- or you are around the people that have always been established as the like, not just top 1%, but top 0.1%, right? How did you get there? Like, what do you think you have done differently than many other people? Yeah, so I, all of this money and achievement was results of really hard work. I came from a very poor family. At the age of 18, I, I actually was forced to work full-time and study full-time at university because my mm, mother and father, they lost their job because of like perestroika and everything has happened in Soviet Union. And I was born in a very small town not in the middle of nowhere, like in the end of nowhere. And my hometown was closer to Japan. 
across the Japanese sea rather than to regional center, which is Vladivostok, far east of Russia. So, um, well, first of all, it's just a matter of persistence, right? It's just loving no and embracing your failures is important thing. And some of the cultures, like I can talk about Russian culture in comparison to American one, uh, people really hate failures because they think that they lose their face. While in US, like, oh, failure, great. What did you learn from that? That's it. So this is the type of mentality that you need to have. And uh, I remember I had an, uh, the opportunity to listen to Jay Bezos back in 2018. And what he told us, he was like, failures, we love failures in Amazon. We learn from our failures. So, and I still remember that three years later. And uh, so you need to learn to love your failures. So that's one second. You just need to understand that there's no luck in this world, right? Uh, like everything, like your every achievement is the outcome of you trying really hard in so many cases. And in some of the cases, like <clears throat> when I was publishing the book, I approached like 30 publishers and I got 29 no's and, and one publisher, Ben Bella, thanks to them. Finally, after the different dialogues with different publishers, I received yes from them. That's great. What if I tried with only with, with five publishers and Bambella was not in that short list? Yeah, this book will never exist. Yeah, right now it's Wall Street Journal bestseller. It's USA Today bestseller. It's number one on Amazon in three categories. So, well, this is the ratio. And like some of the people, so my ratio is like one out of 30. But I know people who literally tried hard in 100 cases to get success in one out of 100. Or I think it was Walt Disney. He received 299 no's about Disneyland's idea before he got one yes. So it's not about luck. It's just like, you, if you really care about this objective, this mission or this dream, you just need to try hard and uh, sooner or later you'll get there. So that's two and third is well, I think the, you need to give more than you take. And this is really important because the way you make in friends in life, you're just helping other people. It's not like, okay, I helped this guy five years later, I'm going to call him and he's going to help me. No, it's not about that. Just don't do accounting on, on doing the kind things to others. But what I can tell you, if this is the mission of your life, if, if you live in your way, even you living your life in a way that, that making others champions, helping them to realize themselves, helping them to become the better version of themselves. Well, universe will always pay back. And, and it's usually it's happening in the moment when you don't expect it. Fantastic. It's definitely, it's fascinating to see yeah, and meet people that have really like made it to the top. But I've been also seeing like a journey. McKinsey is like, People that get into McKinsey, like it takes hard work. It takes good intelligence. Yeah. Um, and then ended up being uh, one of the people leading the longevity uh, field uh, and investing in the companies that can make a difference. That must be an amazing journey. Oh, yes. Yes. It's very rewarding. It feels so good. And like everything I do in longevity is pro bono. So this is my contribution to the world. I've been in the West investing for the last 20 years. So I don't need to 
to work for money, but it's been like just literally saving people's life and, and improving the quality of their life is, is like the most rewarding thing that uh, you can do. So I really enjoy it. And I have a beauty of doing this without actually being a doctor. Because like in, in usual circumstances, you will need to study really hard and then work really hard to become an amazing medical professional, medical doctor. So I've been blessed with the opportunity to do something similar. Obviously not been you know, as heroic as uh, this man and woman in this profession, but still helping people to live longer, healthy and happier life. Yeah. What's the misunderstanding that you hear in the industry? Like that people are saying you know, one thing, but you actually, from the knowledge you have now, it's actually, it's yeah. So like we used so, to say back in the day, it's like, oh, you need to uh, eat many small meals and snack to, throughout the day. So you keep your blood sugar stable. Right. And that was a myth for many years. Now we know like, Hey, fasting is much better for longevity and for health. So that's at least one of the things that I run into. And I, I still hear that. I still run into people that are like, oh, you need to eat many meals during the day to keep your blood sugar. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm not like, uh, like the most stable version of my blood sugar when I'm fasting. So it's really flat. So look, I agree. Like, okay. Uh, longevity became such a confusing kind of space. So what, yeah, today you read, you need to do like stem cells injection. And then next day you listen to Sergey Young and he, he tells you like, you don't need to go to Panama to do stem cells. Just wait for five, 10 years. Or you need to put butter in your coffee. Like if you listen to my very good friend, Dave Esprit, and then tomorrow you read, like, you can literally avoid this. So where are the myths? Spreading your meals throughout the days. I do believe from my own, like, experiment, I'm not a biohacker. I'm a very conservative version of longevity enthusiast. Having one or two meals a day is actually healthy and then having like three or four. So that's one. Second, yeah, I, I do think that we are very kind of focused on different diets and diets with, that have restrictive nature, like fat-free or sugar-free or uh, keto diets, etc. And I don't think it's I mean, be good to create the first impact in the first like month or two, but then it starts to work against you. This is what I believe. So balanced diet is, is a much better diet than you know, any other restrictive you know, regimen that, uh, that you take. And uh, this, this whole like superfoods thing as well, like I, uh, we need to have a, like a plenty of stuff on our table and like, you can really build your life around avocado or papaya, these kind of things, uh, like supplements. Some people, I know people who are like super healthy and they don't take supplements. And, uh, I know people who like run their life on supplements, like including myself, I'm great believer in supplements, but like in reality, I mean, you can have the balanced nutrition with or without supplements. It depends how many hours you an effort you are planning to implement on this like i think there's huge underestimation of the importance of sleep mm-hmm. and i'm actually grateful to matthew walker for writing the book called why we sleep i think it was back in 2019 amazing book well 
I was reading this back in 2018. So it's such a beautiful book. And I reconsidered my view on my sleep hours right after that, because before that, I was just looking at sleep as like an endless credit of hours that I can take. And I can like always sleep, not eight hours, but like five hours and not right now. And I remember I, I met a very good friend, Dr. Jack Cradle in, in London. He's the founder of one of the human performance optimization centers in London. Um, they work with people uh, who just got their oncology case and try to recover and with, with athletes and so I asked him, like, Jack, tell me, like, what is number one advice? And he said, Sergey, every evening we can visit the most powerful clinic in the world with sleep. And I'm like, oh my God, such a beautiful way to, to describe the importance of that. Sleep is like really amazing. When you feel bad, just like invest in sleeping. Well, at least for a few days or for a week, if you can. And you just see the level of changes and like on your body or hormonal balance, your mood, like level of energy, level of health. It's, it's so powerful. And so, so I'm investing, uh, following you know, my rule of eight hours in a bed, seven hours of sleep. I'm investing a lot in, in sleep and this is important part of my routine. Yeah. That actually went to my next question. What are some of your daily uh, routines and habits? Yeah. So sleeping is important. Don't think you're lazy. Don't you don't you know feel guilty if you're sleeping more hours. One, two is. I I don't know if this is going to be unusual for some of our audience, but like your psychological mindset, how you meet the day, what are your mantras, yeah, is extremely important. So like every morning when I wake up and I'm telling myself I'm going to live 200 years in the in the body of 25 years old man. I know it sounds stupid. It's just psychological. Treat, but like imagine every morning I wake up and three fourths of my life is ahead of me. Well, this creates completely different feeling, completely different ambition. I can do everything in this life because I have another 151 years to run on this planet or even outside of this planet. I know it's psychological trick, but like body responds to that. You actually growing younger by doing that. It's, it's about being grateful and evening is the best way to do it. I like, what are the five things that you're most grateful for today? It's just a lot of discoveries. If you just do it for like 30 days every evening and just literally counting small and big things that you've, you've faced and during this day that you're grateful for. It's, it's really beautiful. And again, for me, it's uh, integrating walking into my routine. So I'm doing my 10,000 steps a day. I can do polls, I, or just my thinking process, or I can decide not to use my car and go by foot for the, my next meeting. So that's very important as well, but obviously it comes down to your diet as well. I mean, you can do all of these things, right. But if like you, if you eating, you know, in the fast foods or you eat processed food all the time that's actually bad like decreasing the calories of your intake going really heavily on vegetables that's the best thing you can do to your body like just literally for 21 days try to run on vegetables it's not sustainable or for majority of people it's not sustainable again i'm not vegetarian but like 
look at the quality of your skin, of your smile, of your body. When you, when you, your diet going to be predominantly based on vegetables, you will, you'll be like really surprised by the level of change you'll see in the, in the mirror. It is incredible what food can do like food. Oh yeah, it's exactly. If anyone is thinking about your fund and is an entrepreneur or thinking about like, okay, I might not have the company right now, but in three years time, I'll have gathered a team of the best people in the world. What are some of the criteria you look at when you invest? In yeah. Companies? So uh, where do we invest? Well, first of all, our mission is to create affordable and accessible version of longevity. So I'm not interested to building something or supporting something which would cost like millions of dollars and then will not be affordable for everyone. So for us, one is the, yeah, like this thing, which is under development by this group of entrepreneurs, is it going to be affordable and accessible? Or even if it's expensive today, does it have like democratization potential in terms of being accessible for everyone in the future? So that's one. Second, the intellectual property is actually very important. So we're always looking at IP. It's like, well, that's why we don't invest in supplements because supplements, I, I, I do believe they're very powerful, but they almost all of them are driven by modern nature. So you're going to really like do a pattern on uh, milk thistle or garlic or like omega-3. It's just everywhere in, in nature. This actually makes it really affordable and accessible uh, for everyone. But like IP is important as well. Three is, uh, we have very limited time for the diligence. It's usually like two or three months. But what we're looking at, what kind of partnerships these people build? And by, defi by defining partnership, we have really broad definition of that. Like partnership with the management team. What is the rotation in the management team? What are the scientific or academic institutions they build partnership with? Is there like big pharma or you know, medical device producer partnership they build? How their partnerships looks with their investors? Like, yeah. do they have you know, blue investor names in uh, in? Or early do you go in? Do you go in from a seed, a Series A? Yeah, so we usually invest in around Series B. Okay, so it's anywhere between seventy million dollars to four hundred million dollars of you know total valuation, and we usually invest tickets like two, three, five million dollars within this round. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we, I would love to do like earlier stage, but like earlier stage, because of the complexity of human biology and, and regulatory environment, you would need to invest in like hundred companies and it's impossible for hundred million dollar fund to invest in, to build this diversified portfolio. So I need to be more balanced here in terms of the risk return. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So Jay, I would love to talk to you for many more hours. I hope I get the pleasure of, uh, of meeting you in real life. I'm sure there'll be one opportunity in the future. So, but now the time has already been an hour and I know you have a busy schedule. Yeah. I really want to thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Matt. And I wanted to thank you for everything you're doing, just bringing this positivity around changes in, in health and healthcare and our longevity to the world and to the audience. Uh, this is amazing topic. I and mean, this is what I just a final thought I wanted to share with, with our audience, like start working on the human biology, on your own health. You'll be amazed. It's fascinating. It's very rewarding. You'll be, you'll be completely different version of yourself, healthier, happier, much more engaged. And again, so you will really enjoy 
this discovery path and discovery process of working towards living longer, healthier, and happier. Thank you. But before rounding off, when yeah. people find out more about you, so there's your book that I mentioned, I'll make yeah. sure to put a link in that. You yeah. are on LinkedIn? Yes, I'm on LinkedIn, Sergey Young. Instagram is my favorite platform. I'm Sergey Young Tukhanitna. 200 for 200 years. Remember that? Yeah. Uh, you can, easiest way to do it, to follow me up is to, to go to sign up for newsletters. And we have amazing offer for someone who is just, who hasn't had the chance to order my book. You can order, like buy the book from Amazon and claim the offer from sergeyyoung.com. Uh, you'll get access to longevity video academies, like 12 videos that I've made explaining different aspects of longevity and two other books, one about kids health. I have four kids, so it's very important to me. And the other one is about diet. As, as we discussed with you today, Matt, like a diet can be the turning point, like the main focus of uh, someone who wants to change their lifestyle and uh, be healthy. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Soji. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Stay healthy and happy. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Island. Be sure to subscribe for more episodes on how to be the best version of yourself. And if you found this show helpful, then please leave us a review so more people will learn about the podcast or share with a friend who can benefit from it too. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.